The energy in the worship team this morning was just tremendous. I'm working, I'm mentoring a group of middle school uh, kids at our, over at our middle school, and they were extra wiry today, so I, or not today, on Thursday, and so I asked a couple of teachers if they'd experienced the same thing, and one of the things they attributed to was changing weather, and they said, yes, they were having a rough time that day as well. But even coming in today, the, the worship team and the setup teams, the amount of energy that was here, I just thought was, was really cool. And uh, each of these people feel ownership and a part and just anticipating today. So I'm anticipating what God wants to do through his word today. And, and I thank God for every one of you. We're in a series called Jesus Unleashed. And today uh, we're talking about this isn't working. This isn't working. Uh, we, we love the statement around here, all eyes on Jesus. And, and, and we know that in that, we, we may just need to broaden our scope just a bit. We tend to think of Jesus as a lamb, but Jesus isn't just a lamb. Jesus is also a lion. And that means Jesus isn't always safe. And if you're going to follow Jesus, it's not about staying safe, okay? It, it's about following Jesus and, and so he's not safe if you choose to follow him. He's also not safe if you're going to hold on to your former religion, religion so tightly that you're not willing to understand the heartbeat of God. And, and we need to realize as followers, and, and it's sad to say, that in our efforts to try to stay safe, we just may be missing out on much of life and much of what God has for us. I loved Brian's words about crossroads, that crossroads is a demonstration of our faith. That faith is often best seen than it is, than it is told. And, and this is the, the heartbeat of Mark in his gospel, that he doesn't just want to tell us about Jesus, he wants to show us pictures. So today as we read the text, Get the picture, get the image of what's, what's taking place here. So we're in Mark 3, verse 1, where the Bible says, Another time, Jesus went into the synagogue, and a man with a shriveled hand was there. Something isn't working. Verse 2, Some of them were looking for a reason to accuse Jesus, so they watched him closely to see if he would heal him on the Sabbath. Uh Uh-oh, something else isn't working. Verse 3, Jesus said to the man with the shriveled hand, stand up in front of everyone. How do you like it when someone does that to you? Stand up in front of everyone. Then Jesus asked them, which is lawful on the sabbath to do good or to do evil to save a life or to kill but they remained silent he looked around at them in what's that word anger lion come on jesus be nice this is jesus unleashed here he looked around at them in anger and deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts said to the man stretch out your hand He stretched it out, and his hand was completely restored. Anybody like that? Yeah, yeah, awesome. Hand was completely restored. Then the Pharisees went out and began to plot with the Herodians how they might kill Jesus. 
whoa. I mean, two things aren't working here. A man's hand and a system. Okay, now let's talk about the hand for just a moment. And let me ask you, is there something in your life that isn't working? Uh, there may have been a day that, that it, it did work, but, but something has changed. Uh, it might have to do with your health. It might have to do with your relationships. It might have to do with your sense of, of purpose. It, it might even have to do with some kind of addiction. It might have to do with something else. Is there something in your life that isn't working? And others, you know, might be able to look at you and think everything's fine, but you know different. Maybe... You're hoping that it will fix itself. Uh, maybe it involves a person or a circumstance that you're waiting for that to change. Or, or maybe you're hoping that God will knock somebody over the head, believing that it's not going to be you. <laughs> Get the other person here. Or you're telling yourself, hang in there, keep trying, keep working, be tough. And, and, and those may be sermons that you like to hear, but truthfully... They're not working. Something isn't working. I go to the gym. I, I enjoy working out. I'm there just maybe two days a week. And, and I meet people all the time who are, who are looking for results that, that frankly, I'm seeing that they're, they're never going to see those results. And, and part of the reason has to do with distractions. I mean, there's lots of conversations to be had at the gym but also, in this day and age, I mean, there's way more thumbs getting worked out than any other part of the body. I'm amazed how long a person can sit on a piece of weight uh, machinery and just sit there texting for, for long, long, long periods of time. But other times, it has to do with form. Uh, there was this one day I was working out, and a friend of mine showed up that I, I'm not used to seeing there. And I said, wow, what are you doing here? And he, and he said, well, I'm trying to get rid of this. And apparently, he, he thought there was something there he needed to get rid of. And I looked at it, I, he, what he was doing, and I said, I said, so are you doing that to get rid of this? And, and he said, yep. And I said, well, can I just let you in on something? And he said, sure. And I said, you know, that's not going to get rid of this. And he said, okay, so, so what is? And I, I talked to him about what would get rid of that. And he, and he said to me, you mean I've been doing all of this for nothing? <laughs> and I said, no, you're not doing it for nothing. There's value in strength training. But you've got the wrong method if you're trying to get rid of that. So here we have this hand that isn't working. And we also have a system that isn't working. Verse 1. Jesus went to the synagogue. A man with a shriveled hand was there. There were also religious leaders there, religious police who were there looking for reason to destroy Jesus. It's a, it's a picture of a failed system and a frustrated Savior, and the bridge between the two is going to be the man with the shriveled hand. So here we have Jesus, the, the most important person in history, most significant person ever to walk the earth, he steps into the synagogue and suddenly scandal is, is breaking loose. It has nothing to do with money. It has nothing to do with sex. It has nothing to do with crime. It has nothing to do with cover-up. But it has everything to do with a man who, according to the failed system 
Should have never even have been there in the first place. He had a deformity, disqualified from synagogue. But guess what? He could have covered up the problem. It only affected one hand. He could easily hide the defective hand and give the impression that everything's fine, everything is normal. So let's imagine now, he's hiding the defective hand. He's hiding the problem. Pretty good at at covering it up. Gets in the synagogue, relating to everybody pretty well, with his hand covered up. Now just imagine the nightmare he must have experienced when Jesus called him out and exposed the problem right there in front of everybody to see. And just in case you think that that's cruel, we need to realize that Jesus loves to use brokenness to fix broken systems. And in order to do that, he's got to bring some things into the open. And let's be honest this morning. We all have those things in our lives that we're pretty good at hiding, pretty good at at covering up. But Jesus has a way of bringing those very things to light because it's from our places of weakness, our places of of brokenness, that he wants to begin to reveal his true nature, his power, his glory, his capacity to fix broken things. There's another thing here that I think is uh, very interesting that we need to point out, and that's the fact that Jesus was very careful not to allow the man's condition to define the man. Did you notice verse 1? He said, a man with a shriveled hand was there. Not the shrivel-handed man. The man happened to have an issue, but the issue didn't define the man. I am forever grateful for a dear older woman who one day just said to me, sometimes I just want to tell the younger people who seem to see me a certain way that what you see here isn't really who I am. Oh, I, I just was so grateful for that because I think I'm getting a picture of who she is really. Conditions don't define the person. And whatever it is that you're dealing with right now, please know it doesn't define you. We've got we've to settle that right now. The thing you are facing isn't who you are. But the real issue in this picture that we're seeing today isn't the man's hand at at all. I mean, it's much deeper than that because it's one thing to go through life with a shriveled hand, but it's another thing altogether to go through life with a shriveled heart. And so right there, there are five things in our passage, and there's probably a whole lot more, but there's five things that we need to see that Jesus came to fix. Five things Jesus came to fix. To fix. Okay, now please understand, this man is going to go home with, with two perfectly fine hands. But first, Jesus is going to challenge a broken system. It's easy to recognize when something isn't working. We're all really good at pointing out there's something wrong there. But to understand why and to have the capacity to say, you know, how can we fix this thing? That's something altogether different. We can all spot when something is wrong. So Jesus, he went to the synagogue, the system of worship. He went on the Sabbath, the day of rest, no healing allowed. He stood before a crowd 
who wanted to kill him, and he found a man who shouldn't have been there. In the midst of all the hostility, he stood the man up for all to see, and he did the thing he should have never have done. Jesus is unleashed. And the first thing he wants to fix is our pessimism. You all are way too quiet. And if you're going to stay this quiet, then I'm going home right now, okay? Are you going to give me a little help here? I said the first thing Jesus came to fix is our pessimism. Okay, yeah, he wants to fix our pessimism. And if we, if we think about God as, as being our source, pessimism results when we allow our situation to block our visibility to our source. And in that, we get overwhelmed. I'm guilty of it. Man, I get so captivated uh, by what it is that, that I'm facing that I can't see God and I need to see God because when I get myself in this place, it has a way of damaging my outlook. Can anybody relate here? Yeah, yeah, you better believe it. So in verse 2, there are some people there who couldn't see the source. They couldn't see God. They could only see the problem. And the problem was Jesus. They were on a mission to find something wrong. And here's a principle of the universe. You will always find exactly what it is that you are looking for. If you're looking for a reason to be offended, you're going to find it. If you're looking for a reason to be bitter, you will find it. And honestly, I'm convinced that in a gathering like this, there are going to be people among us who are just looking for something not to like. And I get it. I mean, I totally understand what's going on. It's almost as if we've been trained to think this way. Don't trust politicians. Don't trust preachers. I mean, you don't want to set yourself up for disappointment. You don't want to expect too much out of life. Don't, don't expect too much out of today. Don't expect too much out of people. Don't, don't get yourself caught up in hopes and things that you may never see. And pretty soon we're saying things to ourselves like, nobody ever checks on me. Nobody ever appreciates me. Nobody ever talks to me. Nobody ever notices me. Nobody ever texts me. Nobody ever friends me. <sighs> and we start to look in the field just like our self-talk and then we're surprised when our self-imposed prophecies become our realities and we reach verdicts on things before we've collected all the evidence the result is pessimism pessimism but here's the application and then we get our eyes on the source i said and then we get our eyes on the source I mean, did anybody hear me? I said, then we get our eyes on the source. Yeah, this holy pause, and Jesus has a better word, and his word is simply stretch out your hand. He says, I know more about you than I realize. I'm capable of far more than you're allowing me to be. I am here to fix pessimism. Well, there's a second thing that he came to fix. And that is he came to fix our, our prejudice, our prejudice. Now, you look at the text and you say, well, Pastor Mike, there's nothing here about skin color, nothing here about, you know, gender or social status. Yeah, that's true, but there's plenty of prejudice, and it's all directed at Jesus, 
Look at the word prejudice. Prejudge. There it is, right in the word. It puts, it's to put oneself in the judge's seat or in the jury box. These men, these religious police, just saw a miracle, but rather than choosing to be witnesses, they chose to be judges. And every day that I wake up, I have a choice. Will I be a witness to the activity of God that's happening around me, or will I be a judge? And I've made up my mind today that God can bless, God will bless, God does bless, and I'm going to expect it. I'm going to watch for it, and I'm going to think like it's really going to happen because the application here is I want to choose to be a witness. Is anybody with me today? Does anybody want to be a witness today? To the amazing things of God going on around me. So several weeks back, uh, I was beating myself up over something that didn't go quite the way I thought it would play out. And this is kind of common for me, beat myself up. It doesn't live up to my expectations. The amazing thing in this particular case was the number of people who were trying to send me a message that whatever part I played in all this had had a significant impact on their lives. But I couldn't hear it. And I wouldn't hear it because I had already made up my mind. The gavel had already sounded. It's finished. It's over. And I missed being a witness because I was so caught up in self-degradation. Can anybody relate to that? Huh? Uh, maybe a month, six weeks ago, a gal showed up to church, met me outside. She was so excited of, about her experience with us. And I said, well, how did you find us? And, and her first response was, well, I, I found you on Yelp. And, and then she backpedaled a little bit. She said, no, 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 it wasn't Yelp because the only people who ever say anything on Yelp are, are people who are wanting to say something they didn't like, right? Wow, I think the message is right there that if we're not careful we will go through life as judges looking for stuff not to like and it produces bad energy oh no it's just not fun to be around but worse we miss out on the greater things that God is doing all around us oh I want to be a witness so here we have these sad religious police they came wanting to find something wrong, and you better believe they found it. And there's a, there's, a, there's a name for it. The name is confirmation bias. Okay, but let's turn the corner a little bit, and we can actually find a better use of confirmation bias. It's to wake up in the morning believing God is for me. Oh, wow, to start there, can you imagine how my outlook will have changed? Nothing can separate me from the love of God, right? I'm walking in, in the love of God, and that God is going to use all things for a greater good. Suddenly, here I am looking for reason to rejoice because I'm prejudiced by my God view. Yeah, I want to be a witness today. I want to be a witness today. Just, yeah. Hello, I want to be a witness today. Anybody with me? Yeah, are you sure? All right. Uh, you know, don't let me manipulate you. If, if that's not where you are, then 
be where you are, but, but I want to be a witness. So Jesus could have pulled this man aside, but instead he's going to pick a fight. That's Jesus right here. I'm sorry to mess up your Mr. Rogers view of, of Jesus. Come on, everybody. Can't we just get along kind of thing? Be nice. Yeah. He could have said, hey, 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 Peter. Hey, Peter, see that guy over there, the guy, the guy with the bad hand? Would you do me a favor, please? Will, will you please pull him aside? I really want to help him, but I, I just don't want to offend anybody on the Sabbath. You know, I'll talk to him later, but uh, let's just make sure that he doesn't get away. No, that's not Jesus. Jesus is going straight after the prejudice. So the seventh day, the day of rest, and what he wants us to understand is that that day is just a shadow of something greater. Jesus Christ is the real Sabbath. He meets our deepest needs. He is the place of rest, and he is available 24-7. So Jesus came to destroy prejudice. Yeah, not, uh, yeah, prejudice, right on. Okay, so we've got pessimism, and we've got prejudice. You got them? All right, well, there's a third thing that he came to fix, and that's perversion. Perversion. Just, just as we tend to think of prejudice as having racial and, and social connotations, so we tend to think of perversion as having sexual connotations. But the truth is, it's actually about taking a good gift and using it against its intended purpose. It's about twisting the gift. And not only does Jesus stand this man out, calling him out publicly, he's going to do it on the sacred day, on the Sabbath. This would have been okay, according to law, if the man was dying, but he's not dying. And the Pharisees, the police, they hit the roof. Did you see that? He just did what ought not to be done. He broke Sabbath law. But in another place, Jesus address this he said he said these words he said the sabbath was made for man not man for the sabbath and then he said so the son of man is lord over the sabbath now if you're lord over the sabbath what does that mean you kind of get to call the shots right yeah and and i have to just wonder and uh maybe you can think through this with me today is how many good gifts has God given to me that I've somehow allowed to get twisted? Stuff was made for man, not man for stuff. And yet we allow our stuff to, to mess us up. Sex was made for man, not man for sex. God gives us people because they play an important part in our lives but we become so needy that we begin to give people an improper place and it messes us up faith is a good thing but we get around religious people and suddenly they want to impose on us all their rules and regulations do and don't do in fact i'm convinced right now we're in a modern legalism where you can go to any church on a particular Sunday and find five things you need to do to have a better life, you know, or to be a real Christian. And, and, and if you think about, okay, every week I'm getting five things, so by the end of the year, how many things do I need to be busy doing? So faith is an important thing, but it can really mess us up when it gets 
the wrong place. When we take a good gift and turn it into a God, it becomes destructive. So here we've got one man who can't work because of a condition. We've got a system of religion that won't work because people have made it into a deity. Jesus looks around at this and he says, this isn't working. And he makes this broken man an object lesson. He doesn't give a speech. Here we are, Brian. He gives a demonstration. Mark would much rather show us than than tell us the gospel is much better demonstrated than it is just just talked about. So he says, stand up. And he could have said, he could have said, hey, why don't you come back tomorrow? I mean, you're not dying. You've been living with this now for a long, long time. One more day. It's just not going to make that big a difference. No, no, no going right after the perversion and we need to be aware here's the application we need to be aware of god's good gifts to us becoming gods are you too convicted to say a word we must be aware of god's good gifts becoming gods yeah yeah so the fourth thing he came to fix is our procrastination procrastination it keeps us from participating in the power of of god because you know someday i'll get this right someday i'll take care of it but you know i just want to kind of put it off i've I've got too much stuff i want to change before i can get serious about life i don't want to deal with it right now you know maybe maybe talk to me later this isn't the time i don't want to pay that kind of price you know i want the text to read like this see if you can relate jesus looked around at these pharisees in anger And deeply distressed at their stubborn hearts, he immediately healed the man's hand completely, allowing him to stretch it out. Don't you like that better? I mean, isn't that kind of the way we think? God, change my situation first, and then I'll stretch. Hmm? Please hear what the Spirit of God is saying right here. The man stretched out his hand, and then God worked. It was a shriveled hand. It couldn't have been much of a stretch if it, was, if it was one at all. So this man, in obedience, remember that the first week, in obedience, did the thing he couldn't do, and suddenly God took it from there. Stretch. Stretch and watch God work. Do the thing you can't. And I am so blown away by how many believers will say, I can't love those people. There's no way I'm going to forgive those people. You can't ask me to forgive those people. You can't ask me to forgive these kind of people. We have trouble trusting. We have have trouble believing what our eyes can't see. And, And Jesus, the lion, is constantly calling us to things that we say we can't do. But this man didn't stretch because his hand was healed. He... He, 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 he stretched out his hand, and then the hand was healed. And God says to everyone who will hear what he's saying, that if you have a part of your life that's shriveled up, stretch, stretch. I'm thinking about this, and I'm thinking about this shoulder. I've got a bum shoulder going on, but I'm on the back side of it now. And I know that my part in this shoulder feeling well is stretching into the problem right here, right? Believing that it's going to be healed. But we're talking about stretching in faith before God even takes a step. And I know that at church, we can be really good at 
showing our good sides. Yeah. We do a pretty good job keeping up appearances, but God doesn't bless pretentiousness. God blesses in our brokenness if we will be real, and that just takes us right to the fifth thing that God wants to fix, that Jesus came to fix, and that is our pride. These religious leaders, they had so much pride in their system that they would go to any length to protect it, even to the point of killing the very one that their system was designed to point to. But praise God, there was someone there, someone there who heard his voice and listened, putting all pride aside. Stand up and reveal your problem right here in the synagogue where you shouldn't be. Reveal your problem for everyone to see. In the midst of the controversy that I've created, stand up and stand in the midst of your hopelessness. Stand in the midst of your despair. Stand in the midst of whatever it is you think you lack, your weakness and your discouragement. Hear the voice of God, even in your failure. And he says, stretch. And what are you going to do? And I know it's not going to feel like much. It might even all be feel kind of shriveled up, but here's the right place to start. Stretch. Stretch out your hand. Stretch out your faith. Open your heart and believe that nothing is too difficult for God. You're not going to get blessed if you're just all kind of like, no, 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 digging your heels in, you know, or waiting for God to move first because that's not what he's calling you to do. He's calling you to step out and stretch. The man stretched whatever little amount it was, and God took it from there in an unusual way, at an unusual time, and on a very unusual day. Prior to that moment, things weren't working. Jesus loves to do what he shouldn't do. For someone who can begin doing the things he couldn't do, and he loves to do it right in front of those who would wish otherwise. This is what we're talking about. Shut out all the voices and stretch to God. He wants to touch you right where you are, and he wants to do it through his son, Jesus Christ. Yeah. Will you pray with me? Here we are, Lord. Broken in your presence, and then we're reminded that we find ourselves in our situations because of our own actions. But Jesus was broken and poured out by his will and by his desire in order to offer us the healing and the life that we so desperately need. Thank you, Lord. So as we think about this for just a moment, we like to just consider a couple of questions. And would you consider these two questions? What is it today that God is saying to you And then, how will you respond? How respond? Consider that, and we're going to continue worshiping.